All right, good evening, everybody. Good evening. Tonight we'll be in 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. We're getting close to camp. We need a lot of prayer. Um, we went way over on occupancy, and so we're trying to figure out a, 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 another cabin, which is, which is good and bad. I mean, we love to minister to as many kids as possible, but our camp is limited here in Maryville, so... There's only so many people we can put up there, so it's not like we can continue to just grow, grow, grow and use that camp. We'll have to come up with a different solution like, well, two separate camps or, uh, you know, two different dates. And Amy said that's what she wants to do anyway. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of manpower. There's almost as many adults as our kids when we do this. So um, just be in prayer that everything goes well this year. We'll worry about next year, next year, you know, Um, but please be in prayer. So with that being said, next Wednesday night. That's our kickoff for camp out at Mazingo Kids Camp. So we'll be out there. No service here, only camp. So you're welcome to come out or take a week off. It's up to you. It's hot. We sit around uh, logs on the outside. You know, bring your chairs if you would. That'd be better. Or you're going to sit on the grass. Um, And we kick it off with the kids. So it's the kids' first teaching, but you guys are welcome to join us for some worship and teaching and and, and a little tug of war. So um, join us for that next Wednesday. Otherwise, no service here. Um, also, this Sunday is the baptism out at Mazingo. Uh, we'll be uh, coordinating and meeting up with uh, Grace Calvary Chapel from St. Joe. We'll be doing a beach baptism out there. Um, love to have you come out for that and support those that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and uh, they want to get baptized. So, um, And if you are one of those people, let me know. I think we've got, uh, I think Grace has 10 and, and we're at like six or seven. So um, let me know. If you're interested in doing that beforehand, so we don't miss you, you know, uh, we'll wait for you if you're running late or whatever. But that begins at one o'clock after second service this Sunday. We meet out at the Lions Host uh, Shelter, which is right by the beach. So the beach is there. And then just uh, just south of the beach is the Lion Host Shelter. And that's where we have our, our food and a little bit of worship, and a little exhortation, a little short, 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 short teaching. Um, and then we move down to get to do the baptisms after that. So. That's our plan for this Sunday. Pray for that too, that that goes well. All right, Lord, let's pray for the word tonight. Lord, we thank you for this chapter. It is a, it's a beautiful chapter. It's used in many different uh, ways. Um, but what you intend for this chapter to do is to teach us how to use the gifts of the Spirit. Um, it's one thing to know what they are and to operate in them, but to, but to how, the, the mannerisms, the, the intent of the heart um, has to be from love. And so, Lord, help us to understand that tonight, to understand your love, not the world's definition of love, which is constantly changing um, to suit their needs. It's, it's your definition of love. And that's what we want tonight, just, just your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a great time while we're getting ready to, to go here to check your cell phones, make sure the volumes are down and everything's off in silence so that they don't go off in the middle of the service. Sometimes we forget, and I'm guilty of that too, but it can be quite a distraction as you fumble and try to find it. And um, So uh, go ahead and do that now if you haven't done so already. A recap of chapter 12, just really quick before we move into this 13, because 12, 13, and 14 go together in the text. Um, uh, 12 tells us about the gifts and, and, and the diversity of gifts, the differences of ministry, and the diversities of activities. There's different things. There, there, are, there are six different things that can stop us from using the gifts of the Spirit, um, really. Um, um, a couple of them um, are ignorance, 
um, and then and then and then comparison. Um, we're either ignorant about them, and so we don't use them, or we don't think they're for us. I think we run into that with Apollos. As Paul ran into one of Apollos' disciples, or several of them, he asked them, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. You know? And so he says, oh, <laughs> we got to get that straightened out. And so, and several times throughout the New Testament, he says, we, you don't want to be ignorant of these things. I don't want you to be ignorant. That's how chapter 12 starts. Don't be ignorant, because ignorance is the very first step in not using the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't know about them, or you don't know what they're about, or you don't understand what God has given us, then you won't use them. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a shame, because it's meant to edify the body of Christ. And so, with that chapter 12, as we went through these things, a lot of ignorance was taken away from us in Calvary Chapel Maryville. We learned about the gifts of the Spirit. We learned about nine of them specifically, um, but there are more. Uh, than just these nine, but we learned about nine specifically and, 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 and how they're to be used and that there's differences. And most importantly, I think that the Holy Spirit distributes to each one as he wills. Um, we started off chapter 12 with understanding that the gifts of the Spirit are like, they're like, they're like food, they're like water, they're like air to the believer. To think you can go without it as a believer is foolish. You're not being edified. And uh, to think that any of them are not for today well, it's just contrary to Scripture. You don't have anything in Scripture that tells us that. So um, a lot of that just comes from ignorance and fear. So the ignorance is taken away. It's not meant to be that we're stupid. That's not what the word ignorant means. It just means without knowledge. But now we have it. And so now we're without excuse. The Holy Spirit was sent by Jesus. And he even said, when they said, oh, we don't, you know, we don't want you to go. Where are you going? You know, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the helper to you. I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. And Jesus was looking forward to that. Um, you know, he baptized you with water, and, and, but he wants to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm looking forward to that. And so it's good that I'm going away because I'm going to send him to you, the helper. And so he's nothing to be afraid of. He, he, he's the third person of the Trinity. He's, 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 he cannot be ignored. And if he is, that... Ignore comes from ignorance. Um, it's the same, same root. And um, we want to embrace everything he has for us as a fellowship and as individuals. And um, it's a shame. I think, our, I think our, our, you know, the church in general, and I, I hate using that word, the church. Well, we're the church. You're the church. So when you say the church isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, that's you. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, um, it's, it's just a straw man argument when they say that. But um, as you look at the health of the body of Christ worldwide, maybe that's a better way to put it, um, they're sorely lacking in these gifts. And it's because of ignorance. The Word of God isn't taught verse by verse anymore. We don't hit these topics. Um, it's topical. Um, I, we prefer expository teaching, line by line, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because we believe that's the most organized way to get the entire counsel of God. You can try to get the whole counsel of God by playing Bible roulette and, you know, turning your Bible and pointing at the page, and that's what you read today, but it's, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get through the text in, in an order that makes sense. Um, it's designed to read from Genesis to Revelation. It's designed to be taught from Genesis to Revelation. Each line, each chapter builds upon itself as you go through, explaining the beginning, and finally, when you get to Revelation, explaining the end. And so expository teaching is really... I mean, it's the best way, uh, we believe. I don't know how he could... It'd be like reading a, a textbook, a math book, and starting, we're going to start in chapter uh, 24 today, you know, it's our first day of school. Don't we think we should do one first? Well, yeah, of course, makes sense. It makes sense in the Bible, too. 
And so God tries to dispel that ignorance from us by teaching us these things, and especially in these three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, he gives us and takes care of the ignorance first. You can't talk about the motivation behind using the gifts if you don't know what the gifts are, so he does it properly and in order. Um, one of the things I want to take away from chapter 12, and I hope we remind ourselves of this, is the manifestation. That's sort of the all three together, differences of gifts, differences of ministries, differences, diversity of activities. Okay, when you have these gifts of the Spirit, they're used differently in each person. It's a fingerprint for each person. No two fingerprints are the same. Um, the gift of tongues or the gift of miracles, the gift of helps, administration, teaching, all these things can be done a little bit differently. And, uh, uh, they're all by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit gives these gifts. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference in these things. You look at our faces. We all have eyes. We all have noses, mouths, ears. I mean, I hope you do. If you don't, well, um, I'm sorry. Uh, but for the most part... We have all the parts, but boy, none of us look the same. And that is the manifestation of those parts. Does that make sense? So when you have the Holy Spirit and he gives you a gift, the manifestation of that in your life might be different. So let me follow up. And the reason I spent some time on that is it's very frustrating for me or for any believer, and you'll experience this, for someone to come up to you and say, your manifestation of the gifts in your life is not appropriate, or it's not right, or it doesn't match mine, or it doesn't look like what I'm used to, you see? what am I supposed to do with that? Do I take you and what you've told me to do with my gifts over what God, the Holy Spirit, has told me to do with those gifts? You're putting me in a position to tell you no. And that's offensive to people sometimes when they come up to you and say, you know, I I want you to do this. I think this is right. This is the way we've always done it. This is the way I did it in my old church. There's no church that's the same. We struggle with that all the time. We get a group of people that come through, especially with the college sometimes, and they've, they decide to plant themselves here for four years. They really love the expository teaching and style, and they just think I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, which, and who can blame them? Um, <laughs> I totally understand that. And, and if I could clone myself and put myself in all these other churches, I, I think that'd be a good idea, personally. But they go to other churches and say, it's just, it's just not like, because they got saved here, or they grew here, or it was a very formative time in their life here. And so they experience something they'll never experience again, and they want that in the next place. And that doesn't work that way. Even in the next Calvary Chapel, it doesn't work that way. They're all very, very different. We have, some, we have, we have the eyes, we have the nose, we have the mouth, we have the ears, but it doesn't look like what I'm used to. That needs to be okay. That needs to be okay with us. Um, some people get saved here. Some people come from other churches because their church was floundering or something bad happened at their church and they needed to go and something happened. It was a division or something took place. And so they come here and, well, they want this to look like that, what they came from. And that's not going to happen. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit in Calvary Chapel, Maryville, is different from every other church in the world, as well as their churches that they came from. The manifestation of the Spirit in these other churches is different. It's different. There's different tones, different tenor, different, different philosophies, different ideas about how to minister, and, and that needs to be okay. If it's not, then go back to what you're used to. It's very important. Uh, Chuck had a, a funny saying, and, and, and it's, it can be offensive, but I'll try to say it in a non-offensive way. It's, it's okay to disagree. Just, you can just go. You don't have, you, you drive here, 
You find your seat. It's all voluntary. It's all voluntary. If, it's not, if you're not comfortable, totally understand. Then find a place where you're comfortable and they do it the way you're used to. And that's totally, don't go away mad. Just go away, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. No reason to cause division and strife and backbiting and all these things going on here. Just, just go find it. And, and we're happy to, that's wonderful. We, we're not a cult. We don't believe we have the corner on the truth. We don't believe that we're the only ones saved. Thousands of people, millions of people all over the world, billions of people, hopefully, hopefully, are saved in all these different churches. That's wonderful. Go and be a part of the worldwide body of Christ, you know. Or, like I'm going to tell my kids, because my kids are going to move away, you know, I've got one that's thinking of moving to Oklahoma. I don't know why you'd move there. Red dirt, hot, dry, terrible place to live. Her husband's not here, so... Get in my, my licks while I can. But they're not going to find this there. They'll find something with eyes, nose, a mouth, and ears. And they're going to have to adjust when they get there. And they're going to have to fit in. And they're going to have to make it better and find their, find their place. They're not going to be that round peg that's going to be jammed into a square hole. They're going to have to change. They're going to have to adjust a little bit, you know? That's very important. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the individual's life, and since we're all very different from everybody else in the world, and we've all decided to come here, we look very different than that other group of people that meets over there, you see? And when I join that other group, that other church, or that other fellowship, that other body, some person, I've got to fit in. Or just go away, but you don't have to make it like what you're used to. You may be able to bring something. You may have a gift that they don't have. And if asked, and if encouraged, or if recognized by the leadership in that church, absolutely, join right in. You know, very important, very important. And so that's what we read in chapter 12. The manifestation of the gift, Paul is trying to explain to the Corinthians who are very proud about the way they did things. He says, no, 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 you need some humility. The manifestation is different. It's the spirit He's in authority. He's in charge. He's the one. And he decides who gets that gift or that gift and how it's deployed. The nine gifts that we ran into were the word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, gift of faith. Everybody's got faith, but this is apparently an extra special measure of it. You know, the gift of faith, gifts of healings, workings of miracles, prophecy, Discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Those are all the nine that were spoken of in chapter 12. Now, as we get in, uh, and actually at the end of chapter 12, he adds a few others at the very end. You see that apostles, we like to call that an office more than a gift, but you'd have to be gifted to be an apostle. So the writer here, Paul, seems to indicate these are gifts because he puts apostles right in with prophets, teachers, helps, administrations, healings, tongues, all the other things. So apostles... I'm not saying that they're not for today because I'm not that guy. I don't want to be that person. But an apostle means sent one, but directly sent by Jesus. So to call yourself an apostle, which some do, fine. I'll just believe you, you know, that you heard a voice from heaven, Jesus Christ, and told you to go, you know. Some would say the apostle definition is maybe a little, a little, a little more lenient than that. Someone who is called to just uh, go plant a church in some foreign country, like a missionary, would be considered an apostle. They've been sent out by the church, laid hands on, and then they started a church. Fine, 
That, that might be okay too, whatever. I, I don't know. I just, it's a, it's a pretty special gift. He puts it at number one for a reason. Then there's teachers that's added in there. Some, some people are just gifted to teach. There's helps. Um, administrations helps, you know, pretty broad brush, but it's hard to find someone who can help with the joy of the Lord. Who can just help and be content with that. You know, I'm just, I'm here to help, you know, that's great. I'm not here to dictate. I'm not here to be, you know, chief number two or, you know, we had a problem when at my last duty station before I got out. If you don't know the military, there's there's a ranking system, and there's there's privates, there's private first class, there's corporal, there's sergeant, staff sergeant. That's about as high as we went in our platoon. There weren't any gunnery sergeants there or anything. So staff sergeant was about. There was one staff sergeant, right? We had three sergeants, and we had 23 corporals who are considered NCOs, non commissioned officers, non commissioned officers. So those are like the lowest man, but kind of chief. You know, so he had 23 chiefs and then he had like three PFCs, private first class. So you got 23 corporals telling three PFCs what to do. And all the other couples are saying, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to listen to you. It was a mess, you know. Um, and so they were desperately trying to get us to early out. You, we got, we got, we are, we are flush with E4s, you know, these corporals. We need to get rid of some of them because you need a bunch of privates and a few corporals and some sergeants and the one staffs, you know, it needs to be a pyramid, or you don't have any structure, you don't have any order. There was no order. We just yelled at each other a lot. So <laughs> we all went in the same direction for the most part, but when we were alone, we yelled at each other a lot. It's a problem. The gift of helps is it's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. gift of administrations, just being able to organize and things like that. So those are some of the gifts that we learned in chapter 12. So we're aware of these things. We're aware of them. Um, that takes care of our ignorance. Um, the ability, uh, uh, Paul says, now don't compare these things. Don't you know that one part of the body is, is equal to the other? You know, an eye, an ear, no, don't complain that you're not one or the other. And don't complain that they're not like you. Just be the eye, be the nose, be the ear, be, be what God's made you to be. Um, and then he finishes up with, I want you to earnestly desire the best gifts. And then he doesn't tell us what those are. And I think personally, if we if we really take um, Proverbs to, or Psalms to heart when we said that we want God's desires, you know, to be our desires, then when I desire the gifts, I'm going to let Him choose what those gifts are for me, and I'm going to be very content with what He gets me and what He gives me, um, what He bestows upon me. It's a great gift. I'll take whatever you have, and that's what I desire. So when I pray for gifts, I say, God, I want you to, I I, I just want the best gift. For the ministry that you've called me to. I don't want any more, any less. I just want that. That's all I need. And then he finishes up here with this. And yet, with all that being said, and yet, I show you a more excellent way. Now, a way is different than a gift. The way is by which the gifts are used. And that's where chapter 13 comes in. Chapter 13, we probably heard numerous weddings. If you go to weddings, you know, by the age of 50 years old, you've gone to probably 10 or 15 weddings, you know, and and so maybe you've gone to more than that, or maybe you've been in more than that. I don't know. Um, if you've got a cute little girl or a cute little boy, you, you've been a tag-along to the ring bearer and the, and the flower girl, you know. Um, but you hear this chapter 13 used a lot and applied to marriage. Okay. I mean, it is. It, it does talk about some of these things, especially when you hit chapter, or, you know, verse 4. But it isn't in context, expository teaching, what does it line up with? 
He's telling us what the more excellent way is to operate in chapter 12, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's through love. So that's where we start tonight. Though I speak with tongues, the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. That's our first break. Within the first three verses, he claims um, over eight times the word I and three times the word love and applies it that if you speak in tongues, but you do not speak in tongues with love, then it's a waste. You're a resounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Nobody is blessed by your foreign language that you're speaking. No one's blessed by your gift of the Holy Spirit. You're not edifying the body of Christ because there is no love. He says, you sound like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Not, not one that's playing a good note, but off key. You know, you sound off key. The second one is, though I have the gift of prophecy, which means you're going to tell a little bit about the future. You're going to proclaim the glories of God and understand all mysteries. That's a lot of mysteries to know. And you have all knowledge. You're the smartest guy in the room, smartest gal in the room, smartest guy in the world. But if you don't have love, you're nothing. So it's a waste. If I have faith, all the faith in the world, that I could actually be rearranging the mountainscape and I have not love, I'm nothing. These are important things. Paul is placing the emphasis upon um, what we've even hit on in, in, cha- in chapter 12 is the fruit. See, when you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit baptizes you, there's a love that comes from you that you haven't given or experienced before the Holy Spirit came upon you. It's different. It's a love that it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because this is an agape love. There's lots of different kinds of love, but this is an unconditional love that though I shouldn't love you, I have every reason not to love you or... I'm indifferent to you even. I have a love for you and I don't know why. But that's the Holy Spirit who has a love for all mankind. He loves everybody. And he wants everybody to be saved. And so there's this love that the Holy Spirit, that God has for every single person in the world. And now he lives in you, resides in you. And all of a sudden you have that love for other people. Where does this come from? You know, I mean, people make you in the flesh. Let's back off to, you know, to, to just JD before the Holy Spirit. Some people I just loved. They were great. I got along with them. They were easy to talk to. They liked me. And then there's those people over there that weren't easy to talk to, that were different than me, and that they didn't like me. It's fine with me. I don't like you either. And we just had this understanding. And that's how we lived most of our lives before Christ. We had two groups of people, people we could put up with, People we loved. We had to put up with them because we couldn't hurt them. You know, you couldn't do anything wrong to them. You just, I just don't like them. You know, I just don't talk to them. I avoid them. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you start liking that other group. You start loving that other group. And that's not natural. And you'll notice it. You'll notice it. You'll act. That is not how I normally respond. I normally would respond in my flesh to that person saying that like this, but I don't. 
I responded with understanding, and all of a sudden, God gave me a word of knowledge about what went on with them that day, a gift of the Spirit in operation. Very natural. Like, I, I'm not mad at them because I understand they probably had a horrible day, or God even gives you that specific thing that they just went through, and you're like, oh, no, I, I understand what's going on here, you know? And you begin to love people with the, with the godly kind of love. In Galatians 5.22, that is the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. There's only one fruit. It's love. Um, we get confused sometimes because afterwards there's a bunch of other things that's mentioned. Gentleness, long-suffering, patience, kindness, all these things. But that, it's, not, it's not fruits. It's not many different kinds of fruits of the Spirit. You'll have this. Have, no, it's love. And love manifests itself in those attributes below it. If you're loving, you'll be gentle. If you're loving, you'll be long-suffering. If you're loving, you'll be patient, kind. If you're loving, these things manifest the love in your life. God's love in your life manifests itself that way in your life. And so Paul is pointing to that in chapter 13. The gifts are fantastic, but they have to be from a heart of love. They're never meant to be shown as badges of honor in a person's life, or levels of spirituality, which is what the Corinthian church was doing. Keeping it in context and within uh, Paul's scope here, he's trying to tell them these things are wonderful that you're doing, but you're not doing them to edify or build each other up. You're doing them to show off. That's a terrible thing to do. Tongues are meant to be, in another language, giving glories to God. The interpretation follows, and everybody can join in and say, yes, we agree. Wow, what a miraculous manifestation of the Spirit. Tongues were spoken. Amazing. But it's never to be spoken, which we're going to learn in chapter 14 and whenever we get there, without the interpretation. If you're going to speak in tongues and there's not going to be an interpretation, I don't know how you know that, but you just know, then don't speak it. Do it on your own. If you're going to proclaim it publicly and speak in tongues publicly, we need to wait for the interpretation. It needs to come. Very important. We'll learn that. Because after we get done with 13, 14 teaches us the order and how God is a God of order and blessing and normal and beautiful, and it, it looks very appealing. Um, if you ever, well, I'll save that illustration for chapter 14. Um, so the tongues are being spoken but it's not with love. You're just a loud clanging symbol, and you're, you're not helping anybody. Gift of prophecy, understanding of all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith, and I have not love, I'm, I'm nothing. I've, I've, not, I've not attained anything. It's been a waste of time, a waste of energy. I've, I've done that in projects or whatever. Spent a lot of energy. Uh, simple, simple things. Uh, some things I just, I just get the sense like I, I've, I need to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not motivated to do it. I don't have an understanding or a good plan in my head to do it. For example, a plumbing job of my kitchen sink. You know, I got to think those things through. I can't just go in there and just do it. Some people can. I got to look at it for a while. And say I'm going to need a, that an inch and a quarter. I've been down this road before because inch and a quarter looks an awful lot like an inch and a half. And it's frustrating when you go get the inch and a half and you come back and say, no, it's inch and a quarter. And then you didn't see the, the, the downsize that went from inch and a quarter to inch. No, oh, I need to get a... And so you make 12 trips to Sutherland's, you know? <laughs> and by the time you're done, everything has been moved out. You've got a watery mess underneath because you didn't put the bucket under like you were supposed to. And you got all these extra parts over here and you're trying to keep track of them so you can take them back. And you feel like, you know, it's seven o'clock at night. I start at seven in the morning. Wasted energy. 
My intentions were good, you know, but there was definitely no spirit involved. The Holy Spirit was not involved. Well, that's a probably not the greatest example, but that's what's happening here in the church. Look at me prophesy. Look at me tongues. Look at these. Look at this. I've got a lot of faith. I can go do this thing. And everybody's going, well, that's great. But how does that bless the body? How does it function? He says, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, well, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. That's a hard one there. The first one I can kind of get, you give stuff away or you try to bless people financially or whatever, but you want everybody to know about it. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'll take your money. You can get the credit if you want to and the attaboys all you want, and I'll put it in my bank account. But you're not being blessed, and it's not from love, and so it was a waste of time for you. You gain nothing. It's interesting how he says this. It profits me nothing. I don't think any of us use the gifts of the Spirit or intend to to profit, but God is trying to attach something to it so we understand. There is profitability. You can profit. You can grow. You can become a better walker of Jesus Christ. You can, you can be better when you do these things in love, when you use the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit appropriately by the unction of the Holy Spirit, but under, with love, you, you get better. It's one of the ways. You edify the body of Christ for sure, but in the process of edifying somebody else and not exalting yourself, you become less and more at the same time. You, you decrease as they're increasing and you're building them up, which is exactly what Jesus said needs to happen in all of our lives. Oh, Lord, conform me into your image. Well, that has to come through you expressing the gifts of the Holy Spirit and to bless other people, to edify other people, and you disappear and don't get any credit for it, and God gets all the glory, and all of a sudden you become the servant of all, which is exactly what he tried to tell his disciples. Now, the Corinthian church has it backwards. They have it as a list. I do this. I do that. Do you do this? I do that. And so they compare with one another, and they try to find the pecking order at church. He says, no, 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 you misunderstand completely. You're not profiting at all. You're not gaining anything by operating this way. Now, the I give my body to be burned is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, to be a martyr, to, be, to, 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 to go to the Colosseum on, you know, in the name of Jesus and stand there and be martyred for, for your faith, mm. well, it doesn't make sense until you apply Jesus to these things. Jesus is the perfect example of someone who went and allowed himself to be crucified, despising the shame, but for the, for, the, for, the, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. That makes sense now. Um, his joy was not that he would be exalted or that he was going to sit at the right hand of the Father. He was already there before he came. There was no gain for him. There was only gain for us, you see. He was fine. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fine all day long. They were just fine. Then they made us, you know, let us make man in our image, you see. And then we came along and we sinned and someone needed to go fix it. And the Father sent the Son and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. And it's all to bless us. It's all to edify us, to build us up. We profit nothing if we go to martyrdom or if we go to that, or we carry our cross with us and say, look, look, I'm being a martyr. I, I heard that a lot you know, when I was growing up. From It was a term that was used a lot. Oh, stop being a martyr. You know, not in my household, but friends and other ways. Oh, stop being a martyr. They're, oh, you know, woe is me. I'm suffering for the, I'm suffering, I'm suffering. Stop being a martyr. No one wants to see it. You know, if you're going to suffer for the Lord, 
suffer quietly, you know, kind of thing. And uh, it profits him nothing. And so I can see what he's saying there. He says, you guys are, you guys are saying how, how horrible your life is. Oh, look, look, look what's happening to me. Yeah, but you're doing it so that everybody can say, oh, look what's happening to you. You know, you've got your reward. That's the same as getting a pat on the back or kudos. We, you know, you, oh, well done. Well, that's, as, that's as far as it gets. Your reward in heaven has been forfeited. It profits you nothing. So now he goes on to describe in verse 4 the things that are supposed to show up. When there's true love in your life, when the agape love of God is shining through you, it says love suffers long. That's the first thing out of the box. I think he could have picked something better than that personally. Suffering. The first thing out of the box is if you have true love, agape love, you will suffer for a long time. That's a different gospel, isn't it? You know? I thought I was going to get rich. I thought I was going to be healthy. I thought everything was going to get straightened out in my life. No, he's going to give you the ability to suffer for a long time. Mm. With that scripture, the suffering, I, won't, I don't know how far we're going to get today because I, I, we cannot run through this. We can't speed through this chapter. We have to understand this. If love suffers long, I'm going to give you some examples of it. Turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Sorry, Aaron, I didn't give these to you. Normally, I give them to Aaron so he can put them up, but he's pretty, pretty quick. There's a purpose for the suffering. It isn't just, it isn't just um, be a Christian and, and, and feel terrible the rest of your life. That's, that's not what it meant. There's a purpose for the suffering. He says this, and, and, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. And he goes on to say, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. You see, there's a building that process that takes place. I got to want to be conformed to your image. Well, you're going to live a life that I live. If, if, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If, if you, if you want to... If you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. You have to be ready for this because there's going to be a long period of suffering, but it's going to be for your benefit. And so he calls us to that. That suffering is, is, is endured and can be endured um, not with hand on forehead, which is what we talked about earlier, but quietly. But quietly. Suffering helps with salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to jump ahead one book. 2 Corinthians 1, 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same suffering which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. For our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also will you, you will partake of the consolation. I mean, it's a lot of suffering going on there. But he's saying, hey, if we're suffering, it's going to bless you. It's going to, it's going to be a... It's going to, it's going to produce fruit in you. If we're con- consoled, if we have a great, if everything goes well for us, you're going to be comforted also. Either way, we win. Satan can't beat us this way. It's going to affect salvation in others. That's one of the greatest uh, um, 
I think, witnesses in the, in the believer's life is someone who can endure suffering but with joy, with an understanding of why it's happening in their life. And the unbeliever who is desperately looking to avoid all suffering in their life. I got to step over here because that looked like that was going to bring some suffering. And over here, and they see this Christian alongside him just chugging through life, hitting walls of suffering, being consoled, hitting a wall of suffering, being consoled. And they say, how do you do that? How do you go through that? Oh, I have Jesus. What does that mean? What do you mean you have Jesus? I'd love to sit down and talk with you about it. See, I'm not moved by these things. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. What's happening to me has happened to all people that follow Jesus Christ. They're beaten down. The world hates them. The devil hates them. And they hate the joy and the love and the peace and the comfort that they have. And they try to steal it from them. They put everything. They just do. That's what happens. But my consolation is in heaven. I have eternity. And let me tell you about that, you know. Um, I get to go to heaven and, and, uh, and be with the Lord. And, and here's how it happened. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And that's enough for me. No matter what this life brings me, I've got that hope and that consolation. I can't wait for it. I want to tell as many people about it as possible. And the more people I tell about it, the more I get hit. You know, I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul is a perfect example of that. The more times he told people about Jesus Christ, the more he limped. You know, Talk about suffering for a long time. As I get older, I'm not that old, I'm not complaining, but as I get older, things don't warm up as like they used to, body-wise, you know, joints-wise. Things don't just, you know, just hop out of bed, you know. I hop out of bed, I'm going to get dizzy and fall flat. I got to let my body, oh, he's getting up, you know. The heart's got to start pumping a little bit more. Get some blood up to the head or he's going to go out like a light, you know. It takes time. I got high blood pressure, I think. It's from you people, I'm pretty sure, I don't know. <laughs> But I know if I avoid certain things, I keep my weight under a certain level. And if I do things just right, it comes down naturally by itself. I don't have to go on medication and all. But I can tell when I've got it because my head feels like it's going to pop through the ceiling. You know, it's like, okay, you know, shouldn't have done that, this or the other thing. Look, when you have become a Christian and you walk with the Lord for decades, you're going to have a limp. You're going to be leaning on a staff by the end of your life. You're going to have a lot of wounds, and they don't come from people that hate you for the most part. They come from people that you thought loved you. That happens. Jesus was wounded by his friends. That's, that's common. That's normal stuff. But he loved his friends regardless of how they beat him, and he endured to the end, and they came around, you know, and that is always the hope. He starts off with, your agape love for the people around you will help you endure long-suffering. And <laughs> is kind. And I believe those two go together. If you're filled with the love of, of Christ and you're suffering, there's also still going to be kindness. See, if there's not kindness, then you're not suffering well. You're not suffering from agape love. You're just enduring for self-preservation. I'm just trying to make it through this trial. No, there needs to be kindness still. I've got this old woman in my life. She's a... She's a, uh, I guess a grandma, grandma in love instead of in law, you know, and that's, that's the term she coined. She coined that. That's my, that's my daughter in love. She called my daughter uh, a, a granddaughter in love, not in law. And she's a strong believer, a strong believer. But this woman is enduring pain every single day, every day. I mean, she can't eat this, that, or the other thing. She never knows if she's going to be down, and she's down a lot. She's at the hospital. She's got things going on with her body, and it has for 
For decades now, she's gone through this. But you ask any of her family members who are there all the time, not just, you know, at church. So she's such a smiley old lady at church. I bet she's a bat when she gets in her car. She's not. She's the same. She is so full of the joy of the Lord. I'm just, I'm jealous, but I don't want her sufferings. I couldn't, I don't know how I'd do. I don't know that I'd be able to have that kindness. I would if I had the Holy Spirit and if I've got his love flowing through my life. But that is a, it's a rare, rare, rare thing to see someone suffering and still have kindness in their life and show that. It's beautiful. Jesus just glows from her. She's an incredible person. Um, Love does not envy. It's the second or the third thing here. It does not envy. In other words, it doesn't look at somebody else whom you're supposed to be loving and, and, and envy what they have. Oh, did I just envy that, that kindness? Kind of. I don't know if that's an okay envy or not. It's like, I don't want to take it from her. I just want it like she's got it. How's that? You know. But to envy something, to, to look at, and of course, this has to be kept in context. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, a loving person doesn't say, I wish I had that gift, and I wish they'd sit down so I can do that gift. That's not love. You have no love for that person, you know? That, that, that comes from someplace else. That's a sensual, uh, carnal desire when you envy other people's gifts and wish they didn't have them and you did. Um, that's a horrible thing. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't. Love does not parade itself. Da, 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 you know, here I am, you know. <laughs> you ever see those, those tip jars on the counters of the, of the coffee places and stuff like that? Well, I want them to know I put the tip in. I wait till they see me, you know. Not, not change. <laughs> that was a dollar. It was a silent dollar, so you had to see that. You know, so or silent 10 or 5 or whatever you decide to really bless them with. Because you want that feedback from them. Parading itself. Da, 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 you know, there was a, the widow's mite is, 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 a, is a wonderful example of that. Jesus is sitting across from the money box at the, at the temple. And he's watching everybody bring their tithes and offerings into the temple. And, uh, and they would come with trumpets. These rich guys would come with trumpets. And, of course, they probably brought pennies because that makes a lot of noise. It's really heavy. And they come up and they... <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Bob has left his tithe. And he walks off. And I, oh, Bob. You know, Bob, that's fantastic, Bob. Bob's the greatest. And the widow comes in with her two mites. And she sneaks in. And she drops them in and scurries on through. And Jesus said, did you guys all see that? See what? The guy with the pennies and the trumpets? No, no, no. The widow, she gave more than everybody because out of his abundance he gave. But that was all she had. And she gave it. Wow. You know, someone who doesn't parade themselves, that's the perfect example of someone who has a gift of the Spirit, doesn't need to parade it, doesn't need to make it, you know, whatever, um, you know, trumpets and, 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 a, and, a, and a fanfare. They just do it, you know. I have the gift of helps. Did you see me help? You know, congratulations. Thank you for helping, you know, kind of thing. It doesn't pray itself. Isn't puffed up. Um, I think that kind of goes along with parading itself. It's a puffed up view of yourself. Um, that's a very dangerous thing and, and easy, easy to happen. It can, it can happen. Um, Paul had a minister of Satan that would buffet him, it says, you know. And though he prayed three different times for this to be taken away, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
And this brought him down. Now, I don't know if it was a person. It says it was a minister of Satan. I would think a person, maybe a heckler or something that followed Paul around. Um, we, we had a guy, we, had, we, we put out the, the Facebook post about the baptism and all. And, you know, kind of got to watch those things when you put it out to the public because there's always haters out there and you want to get that garbage off because it's just, we're just trying to celebrate and enjoy. And it's hard to get it out of my mind, but this guy says, big laughing emoji, you're handing out baptism like, partici- like participation trophies. And I just, I got rid of him. I just, I don't even waste my time because there's something wrong there. And you know, this big picture of Mary or something as a profile picture or something. I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, kind of. Isn't that kind of what it is? I'm participating in the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so you go in and you get baptized. I mean, that's exactly what happened with John the Baptist and with Jesus. I mean, it's exactly what they did. People repented and they came and they got baptized and it kind of is an outward expression of an inward work of the heart. So I, I probably should have responded, but I didn't want to go into back and forth with him and all that. Puffed up, you know? Puffed up. What are you doing? Uh, we're doing what the Bible tells us to do. We have to be careful about that. We don't want to be puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Eh, I got to work on that. That's what I hate about these chapters. As you read stuff, you're like, well, I don't think that should be in Scripture, you know, kind of thing. It's kind of all I've got is rude. I like to call my rudeness a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in my life, you know. That's just how I am. No, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty curt and, and short, and I have a hard time with small talk. Um, I don't do it on purpose, though. I... I don't. I'm not trying to justify it or anything like that. Just love isn't rude. It's not rude. Um, it's 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 uh, it's compassionate for other people. But um, rudeness can come in a lot of different ways. It can be from ignoring people, or it can be even with ignoring everybody else for the sake of one person too. There's a there's a balance there. There's a, there's a rudeness to uh, the way you say something because you don't love that person. Um, you just you just you just want to get them out of your life. Um, and that's different from being um, concise, you know. Uh, so the rudeness here that he's talking about is they're just being rude to one another about these gifts of the Holy Spirit in their life. They're being rude. And he says, that's not love. That's not loving. And so he's trying to hit everybody here. I mean, he is. He's trying to tick right along here so that nobody walks away from chapter 13 thinking, yep, yep, yep. You know, there's got to be a circle that one, you know, kind of thing. And uh, they're all circled in my Bible. So just so you know, I'm not ignorant of my own problems. Um, God has showed the mirror to me, and I'm just trying to show it to you now. So I'm not the only one in this this hospital. Does not seek its own. Okay? When you're using the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for other people. Um, You're doing to make sure that they're being built up. You don't seek your own. Love is not provoked, um, I assume, to wrath. When he says that, um, uh, um, and so if I have a loving heart, and there's someone that's, uh, that, 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 I'm trying to think of an example, maybe he's antagonistic or whatever. Um, like I could have gone back and forth with that guy online and really put him in his place. I, I mean, I, I thought of a ton of scriptures I could give him. Who told you, brood of vipers, to come out here and repent? You're like a Pharisee. You know, you're standing up there watching us all get baptized. You better get in the water here. Uh, Don't be provoked. 
So was I or wasn't I? I just didn't act upon my provocation or I was, I don't know. Don't be provoked. I know people like that. And um, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, I've, and I've been that person once in a while. Maybe you can experience. And I think that's a case for all of us. In case you're feeling like condemned today, don't. Um, there are some days where you're probably not provoked. A person cuts you off, um, um, slams on their brakes, gives you a brake check because you're falling too close or whatever. Or, or, or maybe they're going too slow, you know? You got... You got the knuckle driver in front of you. You're like, come on, you know. And some days you're provoked. Some days you're not. Okay. Some days you're walking in the spirit. Some days you're not. You know. Um, don't be provoked. In any in any of these situations, though, at least it's a um, it's a symptom. So if I see myself getting provoked, if I see myself acting rudely or any of these things, I'm probably not walking in the love of Christ. And that's good to know. You know, the last thing we want is to continue on that path and not know we're doing it. So I'm so thankful he wrote these things down for your sake. Um, does not rejoice. Oh, thinks no evil. Oh, I'm just seeing if you all are circling that in your Bibles. <laughs> thinks no evil. Thinks no evil. Mm. Does not receive, does not rejoice in iniquity. Now this one kind of we're getting close to closing here. We're not going to go much further. We'll finish up in verse seven here. But uh, doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Doesn't it rejoice in sin? Isn't uh, happy that it's taking place? And I think these all go together. Watch this. But rejoices in the truth. And that goes back to the definition of love, which I didn't spend a lot of time on. But the world is trying to uh, define what love is. And love is, uh, in, in the world's definition, is oftentimes the opposite of truth. Truth is loving. I mean, it can be presented in an unloving way, but the truth is loving in and of itself. God is, he is, he's truth, he is. He's the way, the truth, and life. No one, no one comes to the Father but by him. He is truth. And so I rejoice in truth. I don't, I don't rejoice in the iniquity, which is the, which is the opposite of truth. I don't rejoice in sin and separating yourself from God and doing things that are contrary to Scripture. I rejoice in the truth. It's not a struggle for me, you know, or it shouldn't be a struggle for us to rejoice in truth. If you're filled with the love of God, true love rejoices in truth. Okay? Um, Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I put all four of those together because he has that all things afterwards. Now, they can put up with all things. A loving person can. And I think maybe your first test as a parent would be an infant. You know, they won't stop crying. They won't. Some people don't pass that test in some pretty... Pretty terrible tragedies take place with people that can't bear with that sound. They can't put up with that sound. There isn't enough love for the person they're holding that would restrain them from doing something harmful to stop this baby from crying, you know. Um, and so that love isn't there. There's no, na- there's no natural love. There's no love from God for this baby, and therefore there's a problem, um, but the love of God helps you to bear all things. Helps you to bear all things with your spouse. Helps you to bear all things with your kids. Kids can bear all things of their parents. You know? I notice one of the things that kids are having to put up with a lot is the fact that their parents are, in the, are on their phone. You know? 
when they should be paying attention to their kids. And I'm guilty of that. I, that happens to me a lot. I, it's my way of communicating for my job, for what I do for a living. So it's always there and it's always going off. It just is. It just always is. Um, but there are times when it just needs to be shut off, or at least I had to put a notification on there that says I'm not available, you know, kind of thing, and spend time. Um, so kids have to bear things, too. They have to put up with a lot of stuff. Imagine being a little kid, and this is where I'll close. Imagine being a little kid, and you're not old enough to make decisions for yourself. You can't say what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, what you're going to eat, what you're not going to eat. You don't have those, you're not given those rights yet. And so there's a lot of times when they just have to put up with what's put upon them by the people that are over them. And we have to be, as in charge of them, be very careful what we put on them. We don't want to give them more than they can bear. They're little kids, you know. Um, we always encourage our kids to try vegetables. You just, you just got to take a bite. We're not going to make you eat it. We understand there's texture issues. There's flavor issues, things like that. I mean, I grew up with lima beans. And they're a horrible, horrible vegetable. I understand that. But I ate them. Plenty of salt and butter. Oh, I love lime. Don't come up here and tell me you love, oh, I love lime. You haven't tried my recipe. I don't want your recipe. (laughs) You keep your nasty, gritty, whatever that is, terrible substitution for potato. And I'll have my potato. Thank you. We made JC try squash. I like squash. I grew to like squash. Well, you got to try. You got to at least try. He goes, I I can't do it. Little kid. Poor little kid. Regrets of parenting. And this is where we close. Oh, you got to try it. You got to at least try it. And he did. He tried it. And everything else came out on the table right after he tried it. Just threw it all up on the table. You know. We gave him more than he could bear. You know. (laughs) Hard lesson to learn. I had to clean it up. That was okay. And we apologized. I think we bought him a toy too. Yeah, let's go to Walmart. (laughs) Whatever you want, buddy. The last thing a parent wants to do is make their kid puke, you know. I, I don't think he's had squash since. So. so that's what you get out of Wednesday night service. Okay, so no squash, is that? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for carefully taking us through these passages by your spirit. The ignorance is being dispelled from us. We're understanding what you've done and the reason you've done it and the way by which we're supposed to show these gifts to one another. Help us to have that love. We desire that agape love in our lives, your love. Not a love that's sensual, not a love that can, that can be turned on and off, but a love like you have for us that's constant, that can, never be, that, that can never separate. That's what we want in our lives. And we want the people around us to experience that love, your love, through us. I want my wife to know that there's an agape love for her that I have that isn't, gonna, isn't flippant upon the kind of person she is or what she says or what she does or doesn't do throughout the day. She's going to be loved and she can rest assured she's going to be loved. Same for my kids and same for my friends and same for this congregation that they would know. So I pray that for myself. I, I think we all agree in that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer before you go, please come up. Be glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.